we are here today to get to know Elder Ramesu. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to say peace and uh, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to come and share, you know, with your audience. Um, a little about myself is that uh, I'm, uh, I'm originally from New York. You know, I come down uh, to Virginia to, uh, you know, actually my job brought me down here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I came down and, you know, and uh, engaged in my specialty, which is, uh, you know, being a clinical social worker. Okay. And, uh, you know, just, you know, just generally looking out for a population that's in dire need of help. Come on. Yeah, that's in dire need of help. So, but, um, but I, I, you know, as, as we kind of spoke, uh, you know, a, a few days ago, I, uh, you know, I love what I do. I love giving back what was so freely given mm-hmm. to me, you know. Mm-hmm. But basically, uh, right now, being uh, being an elder as a part of the Elders Council at one time mm-hmm. in Virginia, mm-hmm. you know, I, I make myself available, mm-hmm. you know, for those who seek out, you know, uh, guidance or information. Yes, and yes. that was um, very interesting because... When, when I first presented, you know, a few ideas to you, I didn't expect you to just be like, here's my card, just call me. <laughs> and I really called you, and you're here. So yes. I'm grateful for that. Yes, okay. Um, okay. Why, did you, why did you choose to stay in Virginia? Well, um, you know, it's a, it's a slower pace than New York. Mm-hmm. Um, New York has changed. You know, it seems like all the, uh, the elitists are finding their way back to the heartbeat of America, you know, uh, Wall Street. Okay. You know, so put Okay, up. so we're dealing with money. Yeah, yeah. money, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, I've, I've gained, you know, a little uh, uh, liking uh, to Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's a little slower pace. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the kind of pace that fits me at the, in this time period. Mm-hmm. You know, being a little older, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to run around and hustle and bustle. <laughs> you know. So, you know, yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm comfortable. And then, you know, I've met so many people since I've been here. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gained, you know, a nice, you know, group of people that I can socialize with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So... I want to talk, I want to first talk about or get to know you from a, a, the, the man, the person, okay. and then we'll go into um, your work, what you do, what you were called to do, okay. and okay. Um, your journey and how you got there. Okay. So I know we talked a little bit about that, but okay. I got more questions. Okay. <laughs> I got questions. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up in New York. Yes. Yes. And you say you started out out in in Manhattan. Yeah, I actually, actually, uh, I I was raised in the Chelsea Projects. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, if you know anything about New York, Chelsea Projects, you know, it's in the uh, it's in the uh, Midtown area of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, I grew up in between a project called uh, the Fulton Houses. And Fulton Houses is probably, uh, you know, people identify with them because this is the housing project that the Wayans, you know, come from. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And then, See, uh, okay. Yeah, they, from, you know, the way, and, uh, and then uh, there was another project that was above us called Amsterdam Houses. Mm-hmm. So, we you know, we would always be in competition with that, you know, those particular housing mm. units because uh, where I live, 
we had a we had a community center called the Hudson Gill, mm-hmm. and they had theatrical classes. And we would go there to roller skate, and Whoopi Goldberg also was a part of that structure. She mm. grew up in, in Chelsea, mm. but we knew her as Karen Johnson, which okay. was her name. Come you on, know, you know what I mean? KJ. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and Antonio Fargus, Antonio Fargus, you know, uh, Huggy Bear. Okay. You know, he he comes out of Chelsea, mm. so I, I I grew up in Chelsea. You know, my mother raised me. Uh, in Chelsea, me along with uh, four other sisters, mm-hmm. and eventually a younger brother. I had an older brother, but you know he was always on the run. Right. So I was more or less the man of the house. Okay. But during that time in Chelsea, mm-hmm. um, you know you had a you know you had a one of the problems in that area was heroin. You know there was uh, a lot yeah. of people that was addicted to heroin. Mm-hmm. You know because um, if you if you understand the history of heroin. Um, Heroin was a was a solution to uh, to what they call the um, what was that um, uh, what's the name of that drug? Um, it, it, it escapes me right now, but I, I okay. But anyway, so heroin was uh, was the uh, drug of choice during that particular time period, and uh, my mother kind of got caught up into that, mm. and I didn't know at the time, but later on, as years passed. I I recognized the runnings because I I fell victim to that same game, ah, you know. So mm-hmm. I I realized what my mother was doing when we would go, you know, get in a cab and go to Times Square, and I'm waiting in the cab, and she get out of the cab and go talk to somebody on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. and they exchanging stuff, get back in the cab, go mm-hmm. to the house, and as soon as we get in there, she's in her room, ah. you know. So I knew, and then the fact that. Uh, you know, she would uh, she would go out and party. You know, sometimes two or three days, and we would be left to fend for ourselves. Well, how old were you? You know, when you were enduring that? Uh, I was like uh, seven, eight, nine. And how 10. old were your were your siblings? You had uh, any I'm older? The, I, I'm the third. I'm the okay. Third. So, okay. So my sister Yvonne, mm-hmm. she was uh, she's two years older than me. So during oh, that time, yeah, babies. yeah, yeah, we were babies. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, that's that's what drugs do. Yeah. You know, they make you irresponsible. Yeah. You know, you're not accountable, mm-hmm. and you know, you more or less doing your thing. Right. You know, so unfortunately, we we were the recipients of that type of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, if you know anything about the projects, if you're if you're a man. You can't come live with your, you know with your spouse. You can't be in the house. Right. You, know, you can't be in the right. house. Right. They know? were breaking down the structure of the of the of the home of the family. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Claudine is a good movie that depicts that. Mm. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that about your father. Yeah. Well, I I, I, I never met him. Okay. And don't know anything about him mm. at that time. Mm-hmm. I know a little a little more now mm-hmm. after doing some research. Mm-hmm. You know, I come to find out that he was. Uh, he was in the Navy, you know, uh, and he uh, he has a he has a big family, which I'm coming to, to know, you know, mm-hmm. uh, based on them having family reunions mm-hmm. and reaching out because uh, because uh, you know my I have a unique last name. I think everyone's last name is unique, but mine kind of you know stands out. And they looked me up, and you know, and uh, it was like uh, oh, they know, were looking for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, 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 that's love. Yeah, yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, so that, you know, that was a part of, uh, you know, my early childhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my mother eventually 
she uh, she passed away, mm-hmm. and uh, my my mother's sister, my aunt, mm-hmm. uh, came with her husband to, uh, to to Manhattan. They were from they were from New Jersey, and they they were uh, you know our guardians, our legal guardians, mm-hmm. and uh, they moved us out of the projects into uh, into Queens, South Jamaica, Queens. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that time, it was like we moving on up because now we got a house. Where, <laughs> you know, we you know we used to watch TV, right, and see how people run up the stairs, backyard, you know, uh, a basement, you know, and those things were, you know, they were just things we saw on TV. Right. And now for the very first time, I'm actually experiencing that. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a good move. I, mm-hmm. you know, I love the move. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, were you born, uh, Ramessa? No, actually, Remesso is a name that was given to me after being initiated into a into a fraternity called the Ancient Egyptian Order. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I was I was uh, you know initiated. I was passed and raised in that particular fraternity. Mm. Yes. What um. Your journey through these different schools of thought, mm-hmm. can you walk us through that? Oh, yeah. Um, well, actually, actually, my first school mm-hmm. of, of being enlightened mm-hmm. with anything that, was, that had to do with uh, consciousness mm-hmm. was the school of the 5% nation, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, when, I was, when I was uh, 14, 15, mm-hmm. You know, we would go to the schoolyard and play basketball. Okay. So, I, you know, I noticed that these three brothers that I played with, yeah. you know, they, they looked different. <laughs> <laughs> they looked different. They had the short cropped hair, you know, and I saw them one day. They all had suits on and bow ties. And I was, so I was curious. I, mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, what, what's, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. So, we're, you know, we're part of the Nation of Islam. Mm. So... You know, I was curious, mm-hmm. so I started asking a lot of questions, and you know, and uh, of course, you know, uh, I, I asked, "Well, you know, y'all y'all won't eat pork, and you know, and nah, we don't eat pork." Mm-hmm. And so, and asking the questions as we're playing basketball, mm-hmm. it was like my introduction into into uh, you know what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught. But at the same time, there were other guys on the court who considered themselves to be of the five percent nation which are really the poor righteous teachers that do not believe in the teachings of the 10% and know who the true and living God was. This mm-hmm. is how it was explained to mm-hmm. me. And uh, so I, you know, I kind of, you know, and they built, basically we both were saying the same thing. The only difference was that, you know, going to the, uh, to the uh, nation of Islam, you had to write a letter in to get what they called an X. And they were real, they were real, you know, disciplined. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't smoke, you couldn't drink. But at that time, I was just getting introduced into drinking and smoking weed. Oh, yeah. You, you know, so... <laughs> so you were so, like, uh, yeah, so, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So smoking weed, you know, went good with the 5% nation mm-hmm. because that's what they did. Mm-hmm. So doing, doing that, you know, doing that particular time in my life, you know, they had what they call... Uh, uh, the Book of Life, 
mm. the Book of Life was uh, were, were what they call degrees. They had the one to ten, which is the student enrollment, mm-hmm. and the first degree in the student enrollment was who is the original man. Mm. And of course, the answer is the original man is the Asiatic black man, Come the maker, on. the owner, the cream of the planet, Earth, Father, civilization. <laughs> so that you know that, that rung all kinds of bells. Yeah, you know, I, you know that, that was up my alley. Yeah. So as 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 I began to study the lessons. Um, you know, I, I started uh, refining my, my my diet. You know, I stopped eating pork. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because one of the things that the nation of Islam uh, prided themselves on was, was the fact that uh, how to eat to live. Mm-hmm. You know, eating one meal a day. Mm-hmm. You know, and things like that. And Ooh, so, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that to me kind of disciplined me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as I began to get a little older, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was I was in the partying. Every mm-hmm. night I was partying, mm-hmm. you know, so there was no way I was going to the nation of Islam, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, I continued on uh, calling myself, uh, you know, a poor righteous teacher mm-hmm. who, you know, uh, represented. At that time, it was called the Nation of Gods and Goddesses. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was Nation of Gods and Goddesses. I respect that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, but what happened was, um, I was uh, I used to deliver newspapers. Mm-hmm. I, I had a paperboy route. Mm. So there was a guy on my paperboy route. Well, let me back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. What, like when when I would get on the train going to Manhattan, mm-hmm. I used to see these guys come through the train with these long white robes on. Mm. Right, and mm-hmm. I, you know, and they used to, you know, give a spiel. You know, they're trying to get money for the school for children. Mm-hmm. They had uh, pamphlets. Uh, they had oils and incense, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, you know, I really didn't pay them no mind. You know, because in New York, everyone's coming through the train with a gimmick. Right. You know, they got a gimmick. They're trying to sell something. So it, you know, I, I, I never associated with them. I never interacted with them. But this one time, I saw that brother. In the long white, right. who was on my paperboy route, and mm. when I seen him, because you know we you know we used to talk, you know, and when I saw him, you know, I was like, you know, I was really interested because you know he was a part of that. Mm-hmm. So um, I asked him, you know, you know, can you tell me what this is about? But at the time, you know, they, I guess they they were on time constraints. So he said, uh, well, here, here, take this book and mm-hmm. read it and call me. You know, and the book he gave me was the Sons of, of uh, Canaan. Mm-hmm. You know, which was an eye opener to mm-hmm. me. You know, because it actually explained, you know, how the pale man came on the planet. Come on. You know what <laughs> I mean? So it was. So I was like, I was really, and it was, and it was more in accordance with the teachings of the Five Percent Nation. Okay. You know, so I um, I read that book and it blew my mind. So. So what happened was, um, in the back, they had a list of publications that you can order books. Right. So they had this book. It said, uh, it was entitled, uh, uh, Was Christ Really Crucified? Come on. So when I read that, I was like, whoa, what, what you, are you saying Christ wasn't crucified? <laughs> right. So it, that really sparked my attention. Yeah. So now... I find myself, you know, going up to Jamaica Avenue looking because the brothers used to come through Jamaica Avenue. Mm-hmm. So I, now I'm looking for them, you know, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find none of them brothers. I, I'm on the train, I couldn't find none of them brothers. And then I, then uh, I saw a brother in white, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking I didn't know at the time. I'm thinking all 
Orthodox Muslims <laughs> what it's saying. That's what I'm thinking. Right. You know? So this brother, you know, come to find out later on, he was what they, what we would call a Sunni Muslim. Mm. And and I didn't know at the time that they were like at at odds with the Nubian Islamic Hebrews, mm. which is where that brother was from. Okay. And so um so the brother was telling me, you know, you know, you gotta get a set of hadiths, get a Quran and stay away from them more or less. And so um when he was telling me that, I couldn't figure out why would he tell me not to seek out information. Right. You know what I mean? So that made me more curious. Mm. So I I, 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 come, I found out that they had a question and answer class on Sundays. So I decided to go down there mm-hmm. to see what it was about. And, uh, you know, I go in and... Uh, and there was a brother who was giving the class. Mm-hmm. So, so people were asking questions, and, you know, and, uh, you know, he was at, answering the questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening, so I'm, you know, I'm, I was really, you know, I was really, like, amazed at how the setup was, you know, because, first of all, this was, a, a, you know, it was in a mosque where, you know, it seemed like everyone who lived in that area, right, was a part of that uh, that particular oh, mosque. so you walked into the into the into the village. Into the village, <laughs> exactly. On. Into the village, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, so what? So what happened was, um, and mind you, all the books, the publications, mm-hmm. uh, uh, would have a picture of who I be, who I who, who I became aware of was a guy by the name of uh, El Haj El Imam Isa who later on became known as Dr. York. Okay. Okay. So now, whenever you saw this picture, mm-hmm. you saw a guy with a, he had like a cane, and uh, he had his hair like in a, in a turban, mm-hmm. and he had, you know, a white jelly bean on, which is a white robe. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that that's the person that I'm going to see if and when I meet this person, okay, you know, okay. So with, uh, so I'm in, I'm in, uh, I'm in one of the Sunday classes, and so a person asked a question, and before the brother could answer his question, mm-hmm. there was a voice from the back Ooh. who was Ooh. answering the question. That's love. You know, and as he was answering the question, coming from the back, making his way to the front, mm-hmm. I'm like listening to him because mm-hmm. it was like do me off, mm-hmm. and then it was like. You know, and because he had a little koofy on, right? Know, and so, um, how he was answering it, it made a lot of sense. Mm. It made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So then, other people started asking questions, and mm. he was profoundly answering these questions. So now I'm like, you know, who is this guy? Yes. You know? <laughs> so at the end of the at the end of the class, you know, I I, I I walked up to him, and I and I said, you know, could I ask you a question? And he said, sure. So. Um, you know, I asked him. I opened the book. I turned to that picture, and I said, "Are you this guy right here?" Mm. He said, "Most of the time." And he started laughing. <laughs> so I'm like, "Whoa!" You know. So that was my introduction to uh, to uh, you know the, the Nubian Islamic Hebrew mission. Okay. So you know, I, I you know, but I, I like I said, I was still partying. I was getting high. And I still wasn't ready to make a commitment right. to do anything, right. you know, as far as as far as that information was concerned. So I, you know, I kind of like for years just you know went about being stuck into that school of thought. Right. It so, wouldn't, wouldn't let up. How old were you when you met it? Uh, I was probably 
probably like about uh, about 18, 19. You're still young. Yeah, I was young. <laughs> I, was, yeah, I was partying. That's love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh. yeah. So, so, um, so, you know, I was a pretty good dancer. Mm. I could hustle. I could hustle, you know, real good. Mm-hmm. I was winning contests. And so, and I had a hustle partner. So one night, I, uh, I, uh, they used to have classes where on Monday and Sun, Monday, no, Monday and Wednesday, they had what they call doctrine classes, mm-hmm. and then they had Arabic classes. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to those classes. They mm-hmm. were they were free, and uh, a lot of times, after after attending those classes, I you know go partying because mm-hmm. the classes were over at, at nine o'clock. Right, and so. This one night, I wanted to party, and uh, I called my, my hustle partner up, and we were going to this club called the Club de Martinique. Okay. Now, if you if you know anything about New York, Club de Martinique was the first club that was, our first disco at that time, disco mm-hmm. time, that was in Manhattan. Mm. And I used to work there. Mm. I used to work I used to work in the coat room. So I would go there, Especially if I didn't have no money, because <laughs> I didn't have to pay to get in. Right. So this one night, you know, I called, you know, I called my hustle partner mm-hmm. after the group, and uh, you know, we headed down to the to the club in my name. Mm-hmm. So now, as we're crossing the street, getting ready to go over to the, the club, mm-hmm. I noticed there was a lot of you know guys in front of in front of the, uh, you know, the club, mm-hmm. which was unusual because the club wasn't open there. Right. So the closer I get. To the club, I'm looking at these guys, and they starting to look familiar to me, right? I'm looking, and I, and then now they got on suits, and you know they they dressed. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, yeah. These are the guys that got that wear those white sheets, and they asked oh. for money, oh. and it blew my mind. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like to myself, what are y'all doing? Yeah. Here? So now I get to the door, and I go downstairs, and one of the brothers say to me, he says, listen. Don't 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 get nothing from the bar, and I'm like, I'm like confused. I'm like, I'm saying to myself, how are you telling me not to get something from the bar? And y'all here? And y'all here? And y'all doing <laughs> it? What y'all you know? doing here? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, uh, I'm um, I'm confused. Mm-hmm. So I go downstairs, and as I go downstairs, mm-hmm. I come in and I look to the side and I saw. El Haj Eli Mamisa, mm. the brother who became known as Doctor Yard. Right. So when he, so he must have saw that I was messed up. Mm. When I saw that, I was really, I was confused because now he got a suit on. Yeah. So he he comes over to the table and he explains, he explains what he's doing there, mm-hmm. which was, you know, he said that going back and forth to Egypt mm-hmm. and and sitting and calling the Ivan, which is the Muslim call to prayer. And sometimes, you know, when you call it, it sounds like you're singing. Mm-hmm. You know, Bismillah Rahim, mm-hmm. it sounds like a song. Uh-huh. So he said that uh so he he realized he 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 had a voice mm-hmm. that he could sing. Mm-hmm. So he uh he said he put together this group called Passion. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So the way he explained it to me, he said, well, you know, if Martin Luther King had a voice, he probably could have uh, been able to attract more people, you know, into the fold. And so he decided to go that route. So it made sense to me mm-hmm. that that night. So, you know, 
the the, the uh, music you know started to play as you know people started coming in. So me and my partner, we get up on the dance floor. And like I told you, you we were good. Yeah, we were good. Start cutting up. Yeah, we start cutting up. <laughs> so now, so now, so now we get the attention of you know people that's in there because mm-hmm. you know we're turning it up. Mm-hmm. So that night, Passion performed. First time I, you know, I, you know, I saw the group, you know, I, I you know, Imam Misa, you know, he was doing the singing. Mm-hmm. So the next night, the next day was Juma, it was a Friday. Mm-hmm. So I go to Juma and I see the Imam's, you know, the Imam's uh, chauffeur. Mm-hmm. So he gives me a card and he says, listen, the old man, that's what we call him, the old man, because, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, we say he has 76 trillion years of information. Ooh. You know, so, mm-hmm. he, you know, we call him the old man. But anyway, so the old man want to see you in the, in the studio. Mm-hmm. So I said, they got a studio? <laughs> you know, this is all new to me. Because remember now, I had been going to the classes for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I never knew none of this. Mm-hmm. So I go to the studio, and so he asked me would I choreograph for the group. Now, at that time, you know, Wendell Sawyer was a member of, of the group called mm-hmm. uh, Blue Magic. Mm-hmm. And he left Blue Magic to sing with passion for about a year. Mm-hmm. So it was during that time period I became the, the group's choreographer and eventually, you know, I did the special effect lighting and things of that nature. But, so, but that was my introduction into moving into the community. Right. You know, so okay. I, yeah, so I moved into the community okay. as a part of our as a part of our, you know, that particular movement. Mm-hmm. So I had a I had a real real firsthand experience, you know, and, and and it was different because a lot of us who were part of the band, you know, we we had a different experience than the regular regular uh, you know, uh members in the community right. because a lot of times we would be at you know at imam's house you know rehearsing right. and things of that nature right. and, and doing the rehearsing having dinner at his house yeah we would have table talk and so you know so you're a fool yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we would talk about things and two weeks later a book would come out Mm. And then we read the book, and it was like, wait a minute, we were just talking about that last week. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. we were getting things that, like, a lot of, of the community members, you know, wouldn't get. Because mm. a lot of times they wouldn't be privy to seeing him like we were seeing him. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked at that as a real, real good experience because I learned a lot during that phase. And, of course, you know, make a long story short, we, we evolved from... You know, the Nubian Islamic Hebrews to uh, to now we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with you know the Israelite you know part of what we call the Tanakh, which people call the Old Testament. Okay. And and uh, and then we kind of morphed you know into into you know the uh, the the house or the church of Kares, which is a Christian a point of view, right? Uh. Yeah, yeah. And then to eventually you know. Uh, Morphing into what we call uh, Nuwapo, mm. which is the, which is the science of sound, right reasoning. Which you know, I, which I still stand on Nuwapo right. today. So you went, you went through all of that, stopped there, well, ended there, yes. I should say. Yes, yes. Well, no, it, no, actually, it didn't end there because mm-hmm. you know what Nuwapo taught me, mm-hmm. you know, because it's based on you know experience evidence and reasoning mm. so what it did was it gave me an opportunity to be open-minded mm-hmm. where you know I, I was able to read other doctrines so to speak yes. like dr. Ben they had a they mm-hmm. had a 
they had a place called the uh, the Tree of Life in Harlem. Mm -hmm. It was a bookstore, a real mm -hmm. famous bookstore. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, I would go through there and, uh, you know, sit down and hear some of the lectures in there. Like, at that time, Dr. Clark would come through, uh, Dr. Ben, you know, because the Schoenberg Library was, you know, maybe like... Uh, is on 35th Street, so this bookstore was on 125th Street. Mm. So I had an opportunity to hear, uh, you know, other other uh, historians, so to speak. So, but the Nuwapo gave me an, gave me the the open mindedness that I needed to <coughs> be able to pull information from different schools because there were people there they were representing different schools right. in Africanology. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, so yeah. So I, you know, I still stand on the WAPO today, though. Okay. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So we talked a little bit about your childhood. Was um, it? I said we talked a little bit about your childhood. Yes. We spoke about your walk through the different schools. I want to touch on the the mental health aspect of you walking your walk and how you got to the work that you're doing now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. What happened? What happened was, um, I uh, I kind of um, I kind of got uh, forced out of uh, you know that community. Mm -hmm. You know nothing that they did. Mm -hmm. You know nothing that they did. But you know I used to I used to uh, sneak out. <laughs> <laughs> I used to sneak out and roller skate. Yeah. You know, and uh, so we had a we had a security force in the community mm -hmm. called the Mujahid. Mm. And and uh, and I got caught roller skating on TV, right? When one Sunday when I should have been <laughs> when I should have been out, you know, peddling. Yeah. And we had just put up uh, uh, a radio system throughout the community. Mm -hmm. And so when I came in, and I didn't know when I was going to to this event, mm. right, that it was going to be televised mm -hmm. on the news. Mm -hmm. So I come in and uh, and they uh. <laughs> he was probably just glad. Yeah, they was, you know, they was like, where you, where you been today, uh, uh, Aziz? Mm -hmm. And so my maid at the time, she put me on, on Front Street because she wanted to know why I was out roller skating and coffer clothes on because coffer clothes are, you know, uh, other than what we were supposed to wear. Uh. So when they, when they, when she did that, it was brothers like, yo, you, you know, you, you just ought to leave. Mm. You, know, you just ought to go. Mm. And, and so, you know, you know, it was like, Aziz, man, come on. So anyway, so the mob came to my back that night, and uh, and he said, well, you know, we all need to be out there roller skating, getting exercise. And then he had the community come out. We had this tent where everybody's roller skating. Now. Oh. Yeah, everybody's roller skating. So I'm like, and I'm looking at these guys that told me I had to leave, right? And now they roller skating. I'm looking at them like, yo. So, 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 so long story short, I was still roller skating, uh, sneaking out. So the Mujahid <laughs> was trying to get me because the old man came to my back. Uh huh. So one night I went out to roller skate, mm -hmm. and I was coming back in past curfew, mm -hmm. and I saw them on the porch. They was waiting for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was about four or five of them. I said, nah, because, you know, they had a reputation that, you know, you're going to get a beat down. Mm -hmm. So I wound up leaving the community like that. Mm -hmm. Not that I, you know, left because of, you know, not believing in the doctrine or whatever, but I wasn't going to let them beat me out. Mm. You know what I mean? They, they weren't going to do that. So anyway, um, so that led me to, you know, hanging out at this house 
where other people who had left the community were hanging out there. And 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 for me, you know, the whole time that I was there, I, you know, because we didn't get high. Mm-hmm. But I realized some of these brothers were still getting high. Uh, right, but they weren't. We didn't live in the community at the time. Right. We had a, you know, it was like it was like about maybe five or six brothers in this house. Okay. So I started smoking weed. But not our weed. See, I said not our weed. No, I was smoking weed that grew in the ground. Okay. You know that it, had seeds that touched, touched yeah, the sun. Yeah, Cause, right. cause, you know, cause, yeah, yeah. Right. Touched the sun exactly. Because mm-hmm. you know, and that weed. You know, when you when you was copping back then, mm-hmm. you know, you might get a $5 bag and you had a third of it with seeds. So you had to clean the seeds. And then when you rolled it, you had to be careful when you smoked because, you know, we had polyester pants. Ooh. So if so if you had a seed in there and, and the pop. seed would Ooh. pop and get on your pants, it'd be a hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, so the weed was different. It was And it was only three kinds of weed. Mm-hmm. It was Acapulco Gold. Panamanian red mm. and dirt weed. Take that down. That was it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what we smoked. It mm-hmm. was, it was, it was, and 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 to be honest, right? That was, you know, the herb. The, that herb was was God's herb. Mm-hmm. It was a holy herb, mm-hmm. but it was never intended to be smoked. Right. You know, because once you put fire to it, it you change the, the molecular structure. Yeah. You understand? Mm-hmm. You know. But now, of course, if you use it as a tincture. You use it, you know, as a tea. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it has, you know, medicinal properties. Right. Okay. But we didn't. It, it wasn't given to us like that. Right. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, I started smoking weed, mm-hmm. and I continued roller skating. I continued roller skating, and I, I met a sister in the roller skating ring, which you know, you know. Uh, she had a well, we had a son together as time went on, but this sister, you know, we had a conversation one day. Now remember, I, you know, I'm, I come from the school of, you know, we I party every night, yeah. And as I'm partying, I probably wouldn't spend no more than probably like ten dollars at the most if I'm going to get high with some uh, with, with with drinks or whatever. So um, so um, this sister. We got into a conversation about Richard Pryor, you know, getting <laughs> caught on fire. Okay. You know? Oh, wait, that happened? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Richard Pryor got caught on fire. Okay. Because he was freebasing. Oh. Yeah, he was okay. freebasing with uh with with uh, with ether. You know, and if you and if you if you freebasing like that and you in a room or you're not opening the door, right. you know, so 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 it becomes toxic mm. and when you light fire to it, everything gonna blow up. Mm. So I didn't know that, but mm-hmm. she had all the answers. She knew everything, mm. and I really should have asked her, well, "How do you know this?" Hmm. But I didn't. Right. So you know, at the end of the week, she came in the house and she introduced me to her. She said, "Here, you know." And so you know, uh, for me, yeah, I'm not. I'm not thinking that anything is gonna take me off path, right. make me addicted, none right. of that. Right. So, um, so I, I smoked it, and I was like. How much is this? Mm. You know, so it got me. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so I watched her. You know, uh, go through. Can we get another one? Can mm. we get another one? Mm. Can we get another one? You know, that type of thing. And uh, what what eventually happened for me, right? You know, I I got uh, I got caught out from free bracing to smoking crack mm. because uh, and you know 
we and like crack came out like uh, probably like 1984, mm-hmm. and uh, we were freebasing like in 81, 1980, mm-hmm. and I would always go to cop. You know, because I was still hustling, you know, selling oils, incense. So I, I would go cop, and I had to wait for her because she would hook it up. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so I had to wait. You know, sometimes Dang. she'd be taking her time getting to the house. Mm. So I went to the record store where I was copping from mm-hmm. one day, and I went to cop, and the guy said, you want it cooked up already? I said, wait a minute, what do you mean cooked mm-hmm. up already? He said, cooked up already. I said, you mean I don't have to do nothing to it? Just put it in the pipe. He said, "Yeah." I said, "Give me that," you know. And and so uh, so that took me on a on a journey mm-hmm. of uh, you know really being strung out, uh, losing you know losing my residence, mm-hmm. becoming homeless, mm-hmm. sleeping on the train, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sleeping in different shelters. And the whole time I'm going through this, I'm like, why? Am I going through this? I'm an intelligent person. Mm-hmm. Why am I taking this road? Mm-hmm. Not understanding in hindsight mm-hmm. when I was looking back, mm-hmm. all that was doing was preparing me for the job that I would eventually have. Yeah. You understand? Mm-hmm. Because you know there were things that I that I that I had to observe in that game. Yeah. That, that it, it was a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I remember like. Uh, I I have went you know to you know because you know when I smoked I always wanted to hang out with the females you know oh, yeah. what I mean so <laughs> yeah 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 I always wanted to hang out with the females so 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 there was you know and there was a few times when you know there was a particular female I was trying to get up with her but every time I you know I see her either I ran out of uh, smoke or whatever so this one night I saw her and I convinced her to stay in this uh, vacant apartment in a hotel because I was my money was going to be in the, in the machine in that morning okay you know so you know she stayed so I you know so I early that morning I'm at the check cashing place it's like 8.30 the check cashing place opens and uh, and I, I give them my card and they come back with the sheet of paper saying Kate's closed I said wait Kate's closed I got the girl waiting for me right Ooh. they said yeah I said well, what do, you, what do you mean? Dude said, yo, you got to go check, you know, go, you know, check your uh, your welfare center. So my welfare center was not too far from mm-hmm. where I was okay. at. So I'm running down there. <laughs> I'm running down there, right? So I get there, and uh, my caseworker said, he said, he said, you know, remember that program you were supposed to go to? Because at the time, in order to get welfare in New York as a male, you had to be you know, in a program. Mm-hmm. I never went to the program. Mm-hmm. So um, they said, well, you know, you know, you want a 45-day sanction. I said, 45 days? So now I got to figure out what I'm going to do for 45 days, mm-hmm. right? And I remember that a lot of times, you know, I would go to a detox because I knew that if I went to a detox today, by the time I get out, my money would be in the machine. Okay. You know, and I, you know, I, because I got smoking to do. I got smoking to do. You know what I mean? So it was hooked up like that. Uh huh. So, um, so, uh, you know, I said, okay, I, I, I can go to, and they, and whenever I went to a detox, they used to always give me a referral to go to one of those 30 day programs. Mm. And I, and, but I would never go to the program because I already understood why I was in the detox. I was just trying to get some rest. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, 
so they got this program on 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 the phone. They said, "Well, we got a, we got a, a program. It's nine to ten months." I said, "I'll take it," because mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm only gonna do the forty five days because I got smoking to do. Right. You know, so uh, so I go to the program, and not because I wanted to stop using, because I you know, like I said, I wanted to uh, just get back on welfare to smoke. But see, the Most High, God. Uh, net net tear, yeah. however way you want to call Spirit that force, yeah. was working in my life because, Absolutely. you know, when I when I went to that program, you know, it was October, uh, uh, what well, was October twentieth mm-hmm. when I went to the detox, mm-hmm. but by the time I got out of detox and went to the program, we're in November, mm-hmm. so now I'm counting time, right? Mm-hmm. I'm counting time. Mm-hmm. So by the time we get to thirty days in the program, we're in New York. In December, it's freezing. Mm. I said, "Well, maybe I'll stay to the ah, spring because uh-huh. by that time I had, you know, I had burnt all my bridges, mm-hmm. but but I had time now between using the drug and being clean. Mm-hmm. So now I'm starting to think a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So so eventually, what happened was uh, I uh, I stayed and completed that program, and I was a house coordinator. I ran the house." And uh, by the time I got a year clean, they hired me to work for the program. Mm-hmm. So that was my foot in the door, mm-hmm. being a being a uh, being a counselor, mm-hmm. you know. So I eventually, uh, you know, did that for uh, like three days. I mean, three years, and uh, went to school to get a degree in dealing with uh, uh, human services. Mm-hmm. So I became, uh, <clears throat> you know, a, a counselor working in various different programs. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it it, it was uh, it paid off when I began to look backwards and, and understand now, you know, the reason why I went through all that mm-hmm. was to be there for somebody. Mm-hmm. Was to be there for somebody because mm-hmm. somebody was there for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, and the, the the beauty of it is was that you know I I had the the opportunity to. Uh, Understand my clientele because been there, done that, got the T-shirt, yeah. you know, and they can relate to me, and I can relate to them, right. and I can show them how to do this because you know you did it. I've been there, yeah. you know, I, and I used to always tell them, you know, like you know, I got a doctoral degree from UCLA. Said, <laughs> Mr. Goins, you got a doctoral degree? I said, Yeah, I got a doctoral degree. You know, from UCLA. You know, the University of the Corner of Lenox Avenue. Come on. I said, You know, I said, <laughs> you know, y'all, y'all probably got the same degree. You yeah. Know what I mean? So, uh, you know, so you know, I was I was good at being able to interact based on my personal experience. Then I had a degree. You know, so. Eventually, I I, I, uh, I I worked for this program called Staying Out, and Staying Out was the first in-prison therapeutic community in the country. Mm-hmm. It was run by a guy by the name of Ron Williams, and Ron Williams is one of the uh, five founding fathers of the Phoenix House program that started uh, back in probably 1965, and I worked for Ron Williams, and Ron Williams was flying all around the country training different staff at different prisons how to run a therapeutic community. Because mm. now the government is giving prisons, because now you got private prisons springing up, they're giving money, right, mm. to utilize this therapeutic community process as a way to uh, 
you know, fight drug addiction. Mm. So, so uh, Ron was flying down. Wait, why they why they trying to fight drug addiction now? Well, they're not, they're not trying to fight. It's it's all about money. It's, I'm a, it's you still that. a game. Yeah, it's a all game. Right, I'm it's listening. a game. So, so, um, so Ron was so in New York. You know, you have a lot of different therapeutic communities. Mm-hmm. So you have people that have had the experience of either coming through there because if you if you come into a therapeutic community and you you're trying to find some employment, they're not going to hire you unless you completed a therapeutic community or have a lot of years in recovery. You can have a master's degree. You can have a, a PhD. They're not going to hire you if you never actually come through that. Mm. But down here, and Ron was coming down here, down here in Virginia, you have the biggest therapeutic community in prison in the country <laughs> at, at, a, at a, a prison called Indian Creek. It's, it's still up? It's still up, yeah. Okay. So, um, so Ron told me one day uh, after he came, after he came back uh, from doing the session down there, uh, he said, "Well, you know, they're looking for counselors down in Virginia because they don't have any experienced counselors, yeah. you know, to uh, work their program." And I was like, "Oh yeah." I said, "Well, how much are they paying?" <laughs> <laughs> so when he told me, you know, what they were paying, mm-hmm. I said. Well, I take a look at that. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you know, I, I, you know, he hooked it up. I wound up coming down here to work at uh, Indian Creek as a clinical social worker. Mm-hmm. You know, fancy title, but really, you know, as a substance abuse counselor. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, you know, and uh, I became certified. I'm a certified substance abuse counselor even to this day. Come on. You know, so uh, you know, I worked. I worked there for uh, uh, from 2000 to about 2007. And and as I worked there, I worked in the in the, in the orientation housing unit. So my responsibility was everyone who was coming through Indian Creek, right? My responsibility was to put them on the yard. And they had six housing units. Mm-hmm. Each housing unit had an A side, B side. Mm-hmm. So my responsibility was to put people on on, on the yard. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I'm working with people, right? Colleagues that that never experienced a therapeutic community. You know, and some of them, you know, never even had, you know, drug problems. So when, and so when I got there, and I, I finally realized after I got there that I'm really doing this on my own basically. because, yeah, basically yeah. because I had I had to train the staff. I'm training. I'm going to the academy for staff development in Richmond, mm. and I'm training a lot of them. So you know, eventually, like uh, uh, I was uh, the employee of the year. Uh, they gave me a nice little plaque. I said I should have asked for more money. I was about to say. Yeah, I should have asked for more money. You keep that plaque. Yeah, but it, but it was too late then. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I so I worked there, like I said, for uh for seven years and then I, I left and wound up in Newport News, probation and parole, mm. running their treatment services. Mm. So I had an opportunity to interact with a lot of people who were on probation, coming uh, coming out of the penitentiary and you know and even to this day, I still interact with a lot of that clientele mm-hmm. because, you know, whenever they was having problems, they would always seek me out, mm. you know, because they, you know, they, they can they can deal with with the fact that I'm going to keep it real with them, mm. you know what I mean? Because, you know, and I would tell brothers, yo, you coming back and forth here, what you're doing is you're enriching the, the uh the prison industrialized revolution because yeah. it's a revolution. Yeah. You know, if I get on the phone right now and I call, I call uh, the, the Department of Motor Vehicles in New York, mm-hmm. I'd be speaking to inmates at Arthur Kill Correctional Facility. Wow. They, because they, they are, 
what they what they what they do is they outsource that that you know to the prison to the penitentiary. Mm. The highest paid job at Arthur Kill is 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 uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles, and they pay them uh, fifty cent an hour. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so and uh, you'd be surprised how many companies are interacting with the prison system, right? To to make auto parts, clothing, furniture. You know what I mean? Because it would behoove, you know, an employer to know that that inmate is going to be there every day. He's not going to lose. And, 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 you know, and the inmate is getting 22 cents an hour. You understand? So 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 now when the private prisons are, are, are springing up, right, mm-hmm. and they do a business with, with the, you know, and you can go on, on, on the stock market and look at the Corrections Corporation of America. Now they call it, uh, they call it Civic, Civic Corps. That's what they call it now. But, you know, their, their job, you know, to run a private prison is, is to, and to ensure that everything turns out correct, they have to have a population. So there, so there, there are situations that are manipulated to get you, you know, to get you in, in, in their, in their, in their, in their graphs, right? Mm-hmm. All kinds of funny ways, and I had the opportunity to see that up up front, mm-hmm. you know, to see how people, you know, get knocked off, to see how they, you know, how they set up, you know, like for example, if you if you ride out to Virginia Beach. And you go into to Virginia Beach jail to the court system. Mm-hmm. If you look as you're going down there, you have all this greenery, right? Where the the lawn, you know, a law anyone who has a contract to do the lawn care, right? Mm-hmm. That's a multi-million dollar a year contract because they're doing that. They're cutting all the grass all the way down to the courthouse. Mm-hmm. Now they don't. They don't. Uh, uh, they don't have any outside uh, lawn care, you know, experts. They use the inmates who are waiting to go to trial because mm-hmm. that's their way of getting out. They just want to get out and get some fresh air mm-hmm. and probably get an extra tray. Mm-hmm. So they they cutting all that. Mm-hmm. So it, it it behooves the city to ensure that there's a population that can do that. And how and how and so they want to make sure you locked Yay. up. They want to make sure you locked up. So if we don't understand the traps that are set for us, we fall victim to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And especially with this uh, with this new phase, this new craze going on with this uh, Frankenstein marijuana. That they call Frankenstein it, marijuana. Yeah, they call it loud. Yeah, you know, government weed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on. It, yeah, government Come weed. Come on, don't, you know, don't even grow in the sun. It don't even grow in the, in, 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 in the soil. Come on. It's hydroponic. Come on. You know what I mean? What they did was they, you know, they, they altered the molecular structure of it. They call them stereoisomers, mm. right? Where not only does it, not only is it is weaponized because it's it's weaponized, and and uh, and the reason why I say it's weaponized is because, you know, eldership in the African community, you know, is 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 really needed mm-hmm. because, you know, as elders. You know, we can go back to a time where a lot of millennials can't identify with. For example, like, like in the '60s, you had a lot of uh, you had a lot of rebellions around you know around the country in and uh, Detroit and New Jersey, and and one of the things that that uh, the government decided to do was come up with a 
a way to squash a lot of these rebellions. Mm -hmm. And they and they figured out the way to do that was to have a psychopharmacological approach in their intervention, mm -hmm. meaning that they want to they want they figured out that if they could use drugs the to control the thinking Dang. and the behavior mm -hmm. of of these you know inner city youths, mm -hmm. then they can control them in a way where not only would it be profitable for them mm -hmm. to send them to these private mm -hmm. prisons, but it would be able to you know to make sure that no none of them get robbed because you know because the war on drugs was a big thing. They were right. saying you know these black kids is robbing white women. They, you know they they creating uh, you know all kinds of crimes where you know they they're breaking property. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and things like that. So, and they're also the future elders. What's that? I said they're also the future elders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so what? So the the thing about that is that because you know there are very few elders here that could con connect those dots and and understand what they're doing, mm -hmm. right? You know, there are people who are coming into the conscious community, mm -hmm. right? And the conscious community is being hijacked. Why? Because they're still smoking weed. Ah, and they think it's okay. Come on. They think it's okay to, you know, continue smoking, <laughs> you know. Not understanding that, that you know, we have five rites of passage. Come on. You know, in in, in in the African community. The first rite of passage really is the birthright. And when you know, when a child is born, mm -hmm. you know, you uh you watch that child, you know, for several days, you have a you have a naming ceremony. Come on. And then the child, right, the child um is being uh cared for, you know, I mean, because the child is you know, is, so. is dependent on yeah. You know, everybody. Right. So you know, you know, the child cries. You run. You put a pacifier yep. in the child's mouth. Yeah. You know, the child cries. You know, you you change their baby. They wet. Right. You know what I'm saying. Right. So so the child is totally dependent upon outside influences. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So now, what happens is that when the child reaches puberty. There's there's the, the the ceremony of what we call going into uh, the adult right mm -hmm. right because how do you bridge the gap between some some individual that's totally dependent right. on others outside forces mm -hmm. but now you're saying you got to be independent mm. how do you do that you know at from 12 to 13 and some cultures call it like a bar misfit. Mm -hmm. You know where you know you learn how to how to become an adult mm -hmm. because you have to learn how to deal with emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. you, you understand? Mm -hmm. um, so that element is missing right now from you know from our communities. That mm -hmm. that element because uh, most most people that reached uh, puberty don't have a father in in, the, right. in you know in the equation, right? right? And now at twelve and thirteen, you going to school, you hanging out with your boys, and and you and, and you you seeing girls, you don't know how to approach them, you know, because you know you might deal with insecurities, you might deal with fears, mm -hmm. you know, and you know you're not going to ask your your, your 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 partner at thirteen. Oh, I see, I see Sharon over here. I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. what, do, what do you say to her? Mm -hmm. Nah, you ain't gonna ask your boy that. You better mm -hmm. act like you know. You understand? You better act like you know. So now, so now, so now, what happens is that weed is is more accessible. So now I smoke a joint, and I realize now 
I'm using this joint as a coping mechanism because now, now I got the confidence, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I got, you know, I got, I got, uh, I'm over the fear mm-hmm. of not knowing what to say. Mm-hmm. And if I say the wrong thing, I could always say, oh, you know, I was messed up yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, blame it on the alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, blame it on the weed, mm-hmm. whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now, so now. So now, so now, every time I go to a social event or I'm interacting, mm-hmm. right, I'm going to use that coping mechanism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now, and as I continue to use it, you know, I, get a, I have an issue now with this coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. But, but the reality of it is I never dealt with the initial fear, mm-hmm. the initial insecurity. Mm-hmm. You understand mm-hmm. the things that, that, that really... I, I, you know, I was trying to avoid mm. because I'm using the coping mechanism to avoid those things. Mm. You understand? Yeah. So, so now as we begin to transition from puberty into adulthood, all those things are being addressed. How mm. to deal with your anger? How to re, how do you respond to situations appropriately? Mm-hmm. None of that is none of that is in the equation right now. So we, so we, so actually we're running wild, right? Thinking that we have the answers. You know, you understand, mm-hmm. and 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 not not only do we think that we have the answers, but we bringing this this thing, you know, into the conscious community. Mm-hmm. We're saying we're saying that uh, this is this is how we solve our problems. I say no, we being hijacked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Ooh. So we hit our hour. We're gonna take like. 10 minutes ground water and then um, they've been writing questions as you've been speaking and we're gonna ask some of those questions and I have a few of my own but yeah peace so that was lovely. Um, this is the Waterways Podcast. I am Ayoka, and we are here today with Brother Ramesu. Um, he has been feeding us some good, good, amazing nourishment. And we walked through um, a few uh, of your walks in different aspects, or the walk in different aspects. And now we're going to have... Well, well, all the people that came out here to honor you today have yes. questions for you. So I'm going to read some of those. Yes. And I have a few of my own. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with theirs just in case you run out of time. Okay. Um, how do we, as the original people of the earth, get all our brothers and sisters on... on the African continent on all African continent to become interested in Nuwapu and the study of BHM? That's, 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 that's a great question. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, uh, you know, we're, 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 not, we're not actually going to get everybody to be on the same accord mm-hmm. because when, when, you, when you deal with cosmic law, mm-hmm. right, then you have to deal with the law of polarity. Mm-hmm. Everything is generated out of its own opposite. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have disagreeable and you're going to have agreeable, uh-huh. right? So that means that there's going to be a split 
however way you see it. So we're not all going to be on one accord. Right. That's impossible. Right. Cosmic law says it can't happen. Okay. Makes sense. Um, how many members were in the group Passion, and were they permanent members? We we um we had we had uh, members that were coming and going. Like there were singers that that uh, uh, stepped out, and others replaced them. But uh, it was a band. Continuously, it might have been maybe maybe twenty members of the band, mm -hmm. and uh, with the performers, it might have been six or seven uh, singers mm -hmm. but over a period of time mm, okay um, how long was was the band like constructed like when when did when did it start and when did it end okay yeah uh, uh, passion probably started uh, well it started before I got there mm -hmm. so we probably I probably say about maybe 1975 mm -hmm. to probably like about uh, 82 mm. to about 82 while in the program, what was the source's avenue that eventually breached your addiction? What got you through? Oh, I, I had I had for the very first time in a long time, I had some distance between me and the drug. Mm -hmm. So I was able to think, you know, mm -hmm. my uh, my faculties were working now, mm -hmm. you know, with nothing to uh, distract them. Mm -hmm. So and when you when you think the first law of, the first law of nature is self preservation. So you have to think about yourself and, and your well-being, and especially your family. You mm. want to make sure that, you know, you're doing the right thing for the right reason. Mm. Um. <clears throat> what do you see in the future, three to five years from now? Three to five years from mm -hmm. now? Um, we, we're going to go to a... Uh, through a, a transitioning of learning how to deal with the environment in that, you know, we have we have uh, forces that are trying to take us off the planet. Mm. Um, they're trying to they're trying to bring the planet down from 7.5 billion to 500 million. Mm. So we have to be cognizant of, you know, what to do in terms of how to eat you know how to how to live in the particular environment, what what herbs to take, mm. nutritive, mm -hmm. you know, or, or or medicinal type herbs mm -hmm. to be able to survive mm -hmm. in this day and time. And now there are going to be many of us that are not going to be here three or four, five years from now right. because they're not going to take advantage mm -hmm. of the information, yeah. and they're going to be distracted mm -hmm. by the by the medical. Uh, uh, a pharmaceutical uh, industry that you know looks to fi you know to, to fix a solution like in microwave time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. And you kind of answered this, but what remedies do you prescribe for our community and globally? Oh, yeah. To uh, get on, to stay away from the diet. Get on a living. <laughs> you know, we want to make sure we're eating correctly again because if we're eating correctly, we're going to feed our, our bodies, our neurological uh, our functioning will mm -hmm. be right. Mm -hmm. And if we do that and uh, we move out of love and concern, like mm -hmm. I want for my brother and my sister what I want for myself. And when we start practicing these principles, then we're going to have nothing but, you know, love. Absolutely. Nothing but love. Um, how do you stand politically, and what mat how how it matters to you? 
repeat that one more time? How do you stand politically? Uh-huh. And how does it matter to you? Well, you know, when you when you look at uh, the, the political uh, spectrum in America, mm-hmm. it, it is basically a two-party system. Mm-hmm. But really, it's two it's two uh, wings on the same bird right. with one head that's directing everything. Mm-hmm. So it's really an illusion, and it's really deceptive. Mm-hmm. Um, with the absence of your father, what male figures helped create your image of a man um, at your un- at your younger ages? Oh, uh, the streets. Mm-hmm. The streets raised me. Mm-hmm. You know, I came up in a time where you have black exploitation movies. Mm. And so you watch a movie and you're trying to mimic what you thought was correct. Mm -hmm. So there was a movie called uh, The Mac with Goldman, (laughs) you know. So, you know, everyone wanted to be, you know, they wanted to be a player, Mm. you know. You wanted to be Goldie, you wanted to be, you know. So these are the things that kind of, you know, can kind of influence me over a period of time, black exploitation movies. Mm. Um... And when you gave me your car, it had a phoenix on it, right? Yes. So I know you you brought up the phoenix earlier. What what is it, its significance to you? Well, the the phoenix bird is really what we call the Banu, mm. and the Banu, the, the myth is that the the bird lives for five hundred years, and then it, then it flies to Heliopolis where it dies on 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 his throne, right? Mm. And then it's reburned out of his own ashes. Uh, so it's it's a symbol mm-hmm. of perpetual life. Yes. You know, yes. birth. Yes, and death. Death. Yes. Recycling. Yes. Yeah. And even within us, like as we breathe. Yes. Yeah. So breathe, breathe, yeah. So so what it symbolizes mm-hmm. is that, you know, you can live a life, mm-hmm. you know, totally negative. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and you can change at mm-hmm. any time mm-hmm. and live another lifetime mm-hmm. in in the same lifespan. Mm. Yeah. Um, when was your last hit? My last hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. October nineteenth, nineteen ninety three. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you stay sharp? How do I stay sharp? Mm-hmm. By by interacting and conversing with other other mm-hmm. like minded beings, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure that uh, that I, I I constantly you know work my brain by mm-hmm. reading, mm-hmm. Uh, keeping up with current events. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like push ups. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to exercise your mind. You too. have to exercise the mind. Okay. At all times, yes. Um, what what cycles in your family did you break? Oh, I. I you know, there were many cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the cycle of the first and foremost, education. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up where education wasn't a value. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't mean anything. Right. You, you understand? So that cycle is being broken now through my children, through my nieces mm-hmm. and nephews, because mm-hmm. now they're looking at mm-hmm. education as a value. Yeah. And you actually lived on both sides of that, because you dropped out of school. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then went back and got your GED. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, when I went to school every day, I just mm-hmm. never went to class. That part. I, you, know, <laughs> you know, hustling, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But as time went on, I saw the importance of that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I want to know about, like, fatherhood for you and, like, your family life. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you say you have 19 children, right? 19 children. Yes. Yeah. So, like, can you walk us through, like, like that? Um, well, you, you know, I have, uh, I have the, uh, 
the uh, opportunity to watch not only my children grow, mm -hmm. but observe them as they grow into parents themselves. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and uh, and I and I understand mm -hmm. that each of them have their own life and how they see it. Mm -hmm. And my my job is to not to tell them, you know, uh, what to think, mm -hmm. but thinking is a process. Mm -hmm. And if they utilize that process mm -hmm. correctly, mm -hmm. they're going to come to their own conclusions mm -hmm. because we're all talented and we all, and that's part of the, that's part of the birthright ceremony. Mm -hmm. Remember yes. when, you know, you observe the baby mm -hmm. for a particular time mm -hmm. before you actually give the baby its name. Right. And that baby is going to live according to how you see the qualities within that baby. Uh, you understand? Mm -hmm. So all we do is create the environment that's mm -hmm. conducive mm -hmm. for that process to take place. Mm. So I I, I, uh, I, I learned to, 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 you know, stand back and, and watch how that unfolds within my children mm -hmm. and, and their children. Mm -hmm. Did any of your children grow up in the community? No. No. Okay. No. And you said the children of the community, they spoke Arabic and... Yeah, they, they, they spoke they spoke uh, English as a second language. Uh, In other words, their primary language was mm -hmm. Arabic. Mm -hmm. you, you understand? Mm -hmm. and so, and we find we find that language, you know, can can uh, can bring about a bond within mm -hmm. a people. Mm -hmm. So now, if we can speak a language mm -hmm. other than other than English, mm -hmm. then, you know, we're on, at least we're on a course of cohesion. Mm -hmm. Now... Those children who learned English as a second language, mm -hmm. it inspired you to learn Arabic because if you didn't understand right. Arabic, how can you speak to your child? Right. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So, so the so, children were teaching the, the parents. That's like second generation um, immigrants here. They usually learn English and then teach it to their parents. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, which invention from your lifetime uh, has has amazed you the most? What is that? Which invention of your lifetime has amazed you the most? The iPhone. Really? <laughs> yeah, the iPhone. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I I come from a time when you had to, you know, you had to go to the telephone booth. Right. You know, and uh, and you had to uh, not only go to the telephone booth. But you had to be able to uh, make sure that you had enough change because you know once that dime run out, uh, you had to put nickels, you know, in. Mm -hmm. So that invention of the telephone mm -hmm. amazed me because you could be on the train mm -hmm. and talking. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be, you know, on your way uh, uh, to to a, to a basketball game mm -hmm. and forget to call somebody. And now you you know you all you gotta do is reach hey. in your pocket and grab it out. So that, but then it keep you sharper to have to like communicate more like more intentionally before the the cell phone. Well, you had you had you had to be able to uh, to communicate. What happens is that we get distracted, mm -hmm. right? Right. We we use the telephone. Many of us we could be sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. You know, six of us having dinner mm -hmm. and everybody's on their phone. Yeah. You know, so wrong purpose though. <laughs> yeah. Wrong yes. purpose. I, I understand. Yeah. Um, what what lesson do you teach the most? Uh, the lesson I teach the most 
is be yourself, be mm-hmm. authentic, mm-hmm. be yourself. Because if you're if you're operating from that perspective, mm-hmm. being yourself mm-hmm. and being open minded, mm-hmm. because people are going to observe you, mm-hmm. they're going to observe you, mm-hmm. and if and if and if you know if you're if you're true in what you you know what you say you want to be, yeah. then you're going to be open to constructive criticism, mm-hmm. and you can't you know you can't you know change or become a better individual if you're not your real self mm. do you have if there's if there's like one or more than one do you have like the best day of your life it's, it's the moments mm-hmm. it's the moments mm-hmm. you know I, every moment is the best moment yeah because because see, if I get on the phone right now and I call Hong Kong, China, mm-hmm. right, I'll be speaking to the operator February eleventh. Uh, wow! Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she'll be answering me, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, I'll be speaking to her February. What's today's date? It's the uh, it's the twelfth. It's the twelfth. Okay, right. so I'll be speaking to her February twelfth, uh-huh. but she'd be answering me February thirteenth. Wow. Right. Uh-huh. So I'll be talking to her tomorrow. She'd mm-hmm. be answering me yesterday, mm-hmm. but the whole conversation will be taking place right now. Present. In the present. So it's Ashe. about the moments. Anything Ashe. outside of the moment is yeah. not real. Ashe. Yeah. Um. Did you ever have any like dreams or goals, or did or did your did your life just like unfold? Yeah, yeah. I wanted I wanted to, I wanted to be a lawyer at one time. Really? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to mm. be a lawyer, and and you know, and actually, I became a lawyer because I'm speaking for my people. Mm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. advocating you know for the things that we need to do as a tribe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And as a people, mm-hmm. as a, you, you understand? <laughs> so I, I'm I'm doing it. I'm living that out. <laughs> How would you like to be remembered? Uh, as 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 an individual who was loving, caring, and uh, was able to uh, you know sacrifice my time so that our people can grow, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and do the things that we need to do to survive. Mm-hmm. Because uh, as I say, you know, you know, we're targeted for depopulation. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to be remembered as that as that person who cared enough to give you the information that would that that was conducive to allow you to stay on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, how many children did your children have? Oh man, I have a daughter uh, who has five children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, I have uh, a son, right, who has. Uh, six children, you mm. know. So when I add them up, I have I have twenty eight grand mm. and four great grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, yeah, tribe, tribe, tribe. Yes, Um. What are you most proud of? Um, I'm proud of the fact that I was able to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. You know of of of, of the addiction, mm-hmm. you know, to mood and mind altering substances. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of that. And at one time, I you know, you know, I lived to use mm-hmm. and used to live. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so I don't have to live like that no more. Mm-hmm. 
I'm proud of that. Um, what did the process of you like healing? What did that look like? Well, well healing from your childhood specifically. Well, that that that's a process. Mm -hmm. Healing is a process mm -hmm. because, you know, as I said, you have to stay open-minded. Mm -hmm. Like I, I always say, I don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've been on the I've been on this path long enough to know what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I recognize what don't work. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go down that road no more. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So so I, I'm steadily you know I'm steadily looking at right motive. Right, motive, mm -hmm. and if I, if I, if my my intentions are correct, right, I'm living full by and of, you know, my people, my I family. Say. I'm gonna be alright. I shall. They gonna be alright. Yes, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Um, were you were you taught your family history? No, actually, I, actually, uh, I had to, I had to, uh, as I said earlier, right. Uh, I had I had my father's side of the family mm -hmm. seek me out. Right. Uh, I got with I got with family members to discuss things that that uh, they they knew of. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know it, all that is a process, mm -hmm. you know, and and it's important because you know I've made several attempts at writing you know a, a book mm. to leave be, to leave for my children yeah. to make the connections. Ah. You know, but I. You know, I just I just need to get better with that because mm -hmm. I write, I put it down, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's difficult to pick it back up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, how do drugs affect, or if you know, like the. Because you've you've watched a few different drugs get released into our communities, right? Mm -hmm. How did each one affect us, our 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 bodies, well, our our beings? Yeah, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. See, um, you know, drugs, drugs, and it don't it don't matter what drugs. See, right. You know, it's like going down to the to the amusement park, and you watch you watch uh, children. Being prepared to jump on the miracle round, okay, you know, mm -hmm. and so and they all waiting, mm -hmm. and the miracle round stops, mm -hmm. and they all jump on the miracle round, mm -hmm. and they go to the horse of their choice, mm -hmm. the black horse. Some get on the white horse, mm -hmm. some get on the yellow horse, some get in the buggy, mm -hmm. and then as the miracle round starts to go around, mm -hmm. they're yelling and screaming, you know, and when the when the miracle round stops. It doesn't matter what horse they rode on. It doesn't matter what buggy they rode on. Because mm. when they all get off, they all gonna get off dizzy. Mm. You know. So in in this in this environment that we live, we might choose alcohol. We might choose weed. Mm -hmm. We might choose some heroin. Mm -hmm. But the whole point is that I want to get outside myself. Mm. I don't want to feel what I'm feeling. Mm. You understand? But mm -hmm. those drugs are gonna affect the prefrontal cortex of the brain, mm -hmm. and the prefrontal cortex is responsible for decision making. Mm -hmm. judgment mm -hmm. and reasoning mm. so if we're dealing with those drugs then we're going to have you know an inability to reason out reality yeah. in front of our face to actually make informed choices like poor choices yeah. you know and and, and and the poor choices that we continue to, to make mm -hmm. is that we eat food that are killing us mm -hmm. and we continuously mess with uh, drugs that, that creates you know uh, miscommunication in the brain mm. 
Okay. Um, is there anything you want to share with us that you want to share with us? Uh, I want to share with the fact that, uh, that each and every one of y'all sitting here, I've had an experience of, you know, interacting with. And I, I just want to say that, uh, you know, whatever I can do, you know, to be able to be a part of your life, to help enrich yours, you know, you know, I, I, I'm there for you. You know, I'm there for you. I'm Whatever you want. And what can I do for you? Anything at all without uh, asking for anything in return. Uh, you know. That's yeah, good. Yeah, agape, agape. Ah. Uh, agape. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we're going to wrap it up for our um, Thank you for coming. Yeah. You want to get a okay. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes, yes. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So, we actually, um, we have a jar for you. You got a jar for me? We have a jar for you. Um, our brothers and sisters were writing um, how they felt, what what they wanted to give you, take home with you. Okay. Um, I also believe in giving you flowers while you're here, but I don't believe in cutting down plants. So, <laughs> so I have an actual plant for you. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. And it's... it's um, here for you. You can take it home with you. Okay. Um, thank, you. I would thank you for coming. Thank you. I thank you for sharing with us, for pouring into us, for being who you are, for thank walking you. the walk that you walk, for breathing, and for sharing your breath with us. Thank you. Gratitude. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for allowing me to do that. I am Ayoka. This is uh, Elder Romesso, Romesu, and this is the Waterways Podcast. We were actually recording today in Pure Lagos in um, MacArthur Mall, and we're grateful for Brother Joseph for allowing us to film here. Um, thank you. Peace. 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 We're going to put a top on it.